Hello, how there? Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of New Kingdom Realities. And I'm your anchor, Dosa. And so we'll be starting a new series um, today. And it's a new series we'll be starting today. I, I'm not too sure when we're going to finish with that in episode four or five, but we'll just be starting a new series today. But before we start, let us have a word of prayer. We're praying for Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. I read from verse 17, and we'll be praying for revelation and knowledge. I said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards world who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And that put all things under his feet and give him to be the head of all things to the church. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Embrugged <laughs> 
Membro que tu tisca no mundo sobre de Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank God for giving us the privilege to also teach and to preach another edition of New Kingdom Realities. Hallelujah. And so just before we start, we would like us to take a quick recap of what we did the last time, which was spiritual anatomy. He said that the spiritual anatomy is how the, the, the spiritual contextual, the spiritual texture of man is framed. We talked about how we read about in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. He said, and I pray that your whole body, spirit, soul, and body be, be, be made blameless. Let's just look at that. Let's just look at that. First Thessalonians chapter 5, from verse 23. He said, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I also said something that prior to this time, before this time, we had we had believed, and I thank God for those that have gone ahead of us, those that have taught us the word of God, those that have passed the mountain, the baton to us, and we are continuing in their stead. Thanks, likes for great men of faith that have gone beyond, that have gone before us. Hallelujah. You know, they've made us to see something that that man is a spirit. He has a soul and lives in a human body. Hallelujah. That the human body is like the house in which God, the, the man, lives. Hallelujah. You know, but what we thought the last time was just to, to further buttress because we'll see the significance of these things as we progress in our subsequent teachings. Hallelujah. So we begin to see that actually what it entails is that, that man has a spiritual component. And because with his spiritual component, he relates with the eternal, with the unseen, with the unseen world. Hallelujah. Man, also because he's in a, he's in a material world, in the touch, taste, feel world. Understand? So man, there is need for man to also possess a body. You understand? So that there is also need, so man interacts with the physical world, with his body, man interacts with the spiritual world, with his spirit. How be it the 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 the, the mind the mind you no know, before we got to the mind I said but the soul but and I said in between this the 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 the, the, the spirit and the body there is an there's a, a, a middle partition which is called the mind. 
which is called the mind. Albeit the mind is a faculty in the spirit. Hallelujah. It's a faculty in the spirit. So there's not that middle point between the spirit and the and the, the spiritual world and the physical world. Mind, man now uses his mind to relate between those two worlds. That's the middle point. That entire component, that entire circuit is referred to as soul. Hallelujah. That entire component, that entire circuit is referred to as soul. I'll just take it again. Just by It's just by way of recap. That man has a spiritual component which he uses to relate with the spiritual world, the unseen world. Hallelujah. Man also has a physical body which he relates with the physical world in which he lives. In which he lives. In which he lives. Hallelujah. And But in between the mind and in between the spirit and the, and the body, there is a middle component which is called the mind. And that mind is what used to, is an interplay between the spirit and the body. Hallelujah. And that entire circuit is referred to as the what? As the soul. So that's why man is referred to as a living soul. The soul is made up of the spirit the body and the mind hallelujah very very important so that's why when you read across scriptures when you read across scriptures man was referred to as the word a soul that soul consists of a spirit consists of a mind and consists of the body hallelujah hallelujah so i would like us to stop there because that was what that was the scope of last time um, um, teaching which was a spiritual anatomy and we looked at that very very well and it's very important to understand that basic um, um, component of, of man and in our subsequent teachings will teach more on why it is so and the significance of why we have to make that teaching hallelujah and so today we with it's uh, with the super reflection hallelujah um, we are taking we, we are looking at another teaching today it's called rapture another approach it's called rapture another approach it's going to be in series i'm not likely to finish it in the first episode but let's see how it's going to go hallelujah how the spirit leads us god help us so it is called rapture is second approach hallelujah so let's look at um let's look at something in jeremiah let's start from jeremiah i read jeremiah i'll be reading a lot of scriptures both from the Old Testament and the New. Jeremiah chapter 1. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 1. I'll read from verse 9. This is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. I'll read from verse 8. Say, Be not afraid of your faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, said the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put word, my words in thy mouth. Hallelujah. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Hallelujah. I'll read my emphasis verse 10. See, see as this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Hallelujah. We see that the the the, the adjectives to pull down, there are about four of them. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down. Four of them. Hallelujah. But look at to build. The adjectives they are used, they are just two. To build and to plant. Meaning that the emphasis, where the work where Jeremiah's work was, the emphasis on the work was actually to pull down. 
And so what we'll be doing today in this series is mainly pulling down teachings that have gone over centuries, that have gone over a long time unhindered and unchecked. And I, 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 I would not want to be misconstrued. I, and let me just say this soberly. What we are doing, what we, what we intend to achieve by the Lord helping us is to pull down teachings that have been owned for a long time, not individuals. We are not attacking individuals. We are not attacking men, personalities. We are not attacking churches. No, 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 no. We just want to present the word of God as it is in the Bible. And with the hope that men will believe this truth, renew their mind, walk in the light of this truth. Hallelujah. And so we'll be pulling down. And so, in, in order, um, by way of um, starting, rapture in the Christendom is, if, is, is, is an event in which the Christians believe that there is going to be a taking away and a remaining of Christians. That a trumpet will sound, that they will be taken away, and then some will remain in the earth. Those that will be taken away are those people that are holy. At that particular point in time, and those that remain are those people that are sinful at that particular point in time. Let me just say this and say this quickly that is never going to happen. Hallelujah! I know this is a shocker, it's going to come as a shock to many people, but it's just the truth. We'll look at it together. That event is never going to happen because the event was founded on falsehood. Hallelujah! It's not true. Is not true. It's never going to happen. So men have put faith in what has never in what in what is never going to happen. And by so doing, we have put faith in what seems to be an error, in what is an error, in what is untrue, in what is a lie. We've put faith in it. And so at this particular point in time, there is a clarion call for all of us to renew our minds, to begin to put faith in what is true and what is absolute. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm going to take it again that that's, that teaching that some people will be zoomed off, that the trumpet will sound, some people will change to white garments and zoomed off, why some people will remain in the earth, it's never going to happen. I'll take it again. It's never going to happen. Hallelujah. Let us proceed further. So, to start with, there is actually no word called rapture in the entire Bible. You will not see any word like rapture in the entire Bible. But this coinage was coined, this word was coined somewhere along 200 years ago. In fact, history has it that for the first thousand years of the church, there was no doctrine called rapture. For the first 1,000 years of the church, there was no doctrine called rapture, and that it only became a teaching 200 years ago. How it came forth, I don't know. Maybe it came from somebody's vision, or somebody's dreams, or somebody, somebody I, I don't know, but maybe somebody just did not get the, the facts accurately right. And that is what happens when, you know, truth is not... Is not passed on from generation to generation. The whole body, the entire body of truth, hallelujah, the whole entire counsel of God is not passed down from generation to generation. Hallelujah. But we are doing that today now. The Lord will help us. Just as I said, we are not coming against personalities. We are not coming against churches. We are not coming. We are just speaking the word of God as it is true. Hallelujah. 
praise God. Now, let us start from this. The the historically, historically, let's start from historically. Let's look at the book of Acts, and we all want to start from. We want to look at the foundation. We want to talk. We want to look at the apostles' doctrine. What were the basis? What were the tenets of the apostles' doctrine? What, what formed the basis of what the apostles taught in the earlier years of the church? And let us correctly and accurately interpret these things. Hallelujah. These teachings. Hallelujah. So it is historically said that the first five chapters represent the first five years of the church. Historically, unarguably so. Teaching that the first five chapters represent the first five <laughs> so one will actually think that chapter one was one day chapter two was one day chapter three was one day chapter four was one day chapter five was one day making it five days altogether but that's not true the bible is not like that in fact sometimes you might have from chapter nine for example from acts chapter nine and acts from acts chapter nine the conversion of saul to acts chapter 13 when it said um Acts chapter 13 from verse 2 said, As the minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. It's arguably said that the period between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 13 was 17 years. 17 years. That's to tell you some things actually take time. 17 years. So when you go into the Bible, we ought to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Trust in the Spirit of God, and that's why you see all of my teachings. I will always start with prayer, stating the fact that I'm not trusting on my wit end, I'm not trusting on my capabilities, but I'm trusting on the power of God. Hallelujah! Let's go back to what we're talking about. So I said for the first first five chapters of the Bible, historically present the first five years of the church. By this time, Jesus Christ had come. He had died, he has been buried, he has been risen, and he has ascended unto the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at Acts chapter, the very first sermon. The very first sermon which Peter preached after upon the resurrection. Hallelujah. The very first sermon. We'll see it in Acts chapter 2 from verse 14 to 40. Hallelujah. We're going to read all of these things. I'm not going to leave any of these. very sensitive topics. So I'm not going to leave anything. I'm not going to gloss over everything. I'm going to read everything line by line. Little here, little there. We'll build upon it as the Lord will give us what trans. Hallelujah. So, the very first sermon in the book of Acts was by Apostle Peter. Let us see what he talked about and how we can accurately interpret what he talked about. And we'll see it that that doctrine, if it were really, really, really very, very important, the Apostle Peter would have mentioned it. Because that formed the Apostles' Doctrine. That was what formed the Apostles' Doctrine. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 2. I'll read from verse 14. It said, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the, that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God had raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should not he should be holding of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Verse 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to seek corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus had God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he had shed for this, which he now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he seared himself. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Verse 40. Hallelujah. Verse 40. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very, very powerful sermon by the Apostle Peter. Now, let us have night. We'll look at this sermon. We'll look at this sermon in detail. First thing for us to understand about this sermon was that what they saw was before the sermon was that they saw 
the 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 the, the disciples as we well, the one to it is speaking in other tongues as we well, they were speaking in other tongues and they they, they they saw them as men that were drunk but how be it the apostle Peter came on the scene said these are not men that are drunk how be it? this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel now we'll go into all of that but the first the, the basic tendency is talked about this that now formed in verse 42 which he said and they continue the apostle doctor one was that there was a resurrection very important and that's why the first series of teachings we dealt about was the redemptive work of christ the dead burial and resurrection is very very fundamental it's very very basic it's very very crucial to the apostles doctrine that there was a resurrection Hallelujah. There was a death, there was a burial, and there was a resurrection. Hallelujah. He talked about the resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he talked about something. He talked about Joel's prophecy. Hallelujah. Joel's prophecy. Hallelujah. Let's read that part again. That's verse verse um, 15. It said, For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. By the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. Let's look at that prophecy now in the book of Joel. Hallelujah. Because just as I said that all the things that they taught, all the things that Jesus Christ taught was not from space. He taught them from the scriptures. And the scriptures they had was Genesis to Malachi. All the things that the apostles taught was what Jesus Christ taught them from the scriptures. Hallelujah. Genesis to Malachi. So when we look at these apostles, um, uh, apostles Peter's um, 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 teaching, Simon, we discover that he never mentioned of a taking away and a remaining. He never mentioned that event. If that event is as important and is as very, very important as most of the Christian world has made it to be, there is no how the Apostle Peter would have mentioned it. But what we see here is that there was something that was talked about, very, very crucial, that has been misconstrued over the years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at it. Let's look at Prophet, um, Prophet Joel's prophecies. Let's look at Joel. We'll look at um, Joel chapter 2. Hallelujah. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. And the whole prophecy I read from verse spans from Joel 2, from verse 1 to about um to about 28, thereabout. Yes, to about 32. Joel chapter 2 from verse 1 to about 32. But let me see. How far I'm gonna read till my time gets up. Hallelujah. Let's look at but this is where I'll be I'll be rounding up for today and we'll continue some other time. Hallelujah. So let's look at Joel chapter 2. I'll read from verse 1. Um this is another part of this, this is another part of the um, Bible that has been greatly misconstrued in some quarters. Hallelujah. And there's no I'll never mention names. I'm not gonna mention names because just as I said earlier on, I'm not attacking personalities, I'm not attacking churches. But we are just presenting the word of the Lord as God has taught us from the scriptures. Hallelujah. So it has been heavily misconstrued and we are just setting the record straight. Hallelujah. So Joel chapter 2, I read from verse 1. He said, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, 
and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the Lord tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Now, this day of the Lord was what the Apostle Peter talked about in Acts chapter 2. This day of the Lord was what the Apostle Peter talked about in Acts chapter 2, when he talked about from verse 20, we'll get there. From verse 20, he said, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. So that notable day of the Lord, the great and notable day of the Lord was not from space. He didn't just say it from the clouds. There was a basis. When you read to the Old Testament, till something refers to as the day of the Lord. And it was a dreadful day. It was a day of darkness and it was a day of gloominess. But we explain all this. That does not mean that God is dark. That does not mean that God is gloomy. That does not mean that God is evil. No. But it just means that it's just, just the way I've taught in previously that the Bible is written in metaphor. And sometimes it's written, it's written there are some passages of the Bible that are literal. There are some that are figurative. Figurative means sometimes figures of speech are intended. Hallelujah. Metaphors. And hallelujah. So, this one is one of them. I'll read from verse 2 again. From verse 2. It says, A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and the strong, there have not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoured before them, and behind them a flame burned. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. So I'm going to be stopping here, and from here I'll continue from this particular jewel the next time, uh, the next episode. But what this place is trying to tell us is that that day of the Lord is not a taking away and a remaining. There was nothing like that there. It just shows that it's going to be a day of intense destruction, intense, intense tumor on the surface of the earth. Be it between the children of Israel, amongst the children of Israel. And my time is up. And so I'll continue from here next time, next episode. Hallelujah. And so to start to recap from the first um, sermon of Peter, there was nothing like taking away and I remain. And my time is up. God bless you.